Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and as always, I'm happy to have you joining us. So whether you're watching our new and improved YouTube channel, checking us out on social media or Facebook, or just listening you know, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the traditional methods, I'd ask that you please consider leaving us a review, even a five-star review, as that's the best way for us to broaden our audience and just extend this message of financial literacy to more and more people. But without further ado, as we wrap up the month of May, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that this month is actually Disability Insurance Awareness Month. That's right. How many of you guys out there actually knew that? Uh, probably not many. I, I Honestly, it kind of skips right by myself every year uh, without much fanfare. But when we actually think about financial planning, this topic is one that does deserve its own month and, and certainly quite a bit of attention. So when many folks come out and they seek my advice or they ask me questions about money or economics, they're always hoping for some definitive answer, right? That's human nature that we want to be able to identify a cause and effect, that we can kind of make our world black and white and then make rational decisions, you know, within that world. But unfortunately, as we begin to talk about money, it is not a science. There is a lot of gray area. And once we embrace the fact that there's always going to be some level of unpredictability, we have to then say, okay, well, what are our choices? When we kind of isolate things, what are the smart choices to make? And there are smart choices. They may not be black and white, but there are choices we all get to make that can increase our probability of success. And so as we determine what those choices are, I always encourage that first we look at the downside or the risks. Okay, there are ways to mitigate and manage risk, but there is not really any way to totally eliminate risk. Okay, so having that in mind, what I want to talk about is, you know, one of our greatest assets. And that's, of course, our ability to go out and earn an income. All right. If we lose that, it can be utterly devastating. Just think about what's going on right now with the current coronavirus pandemic. All right. We're talking about folks that have been out of work for maybe a month, maybe two months. And we're seeing the impact that that's having on their families, their businesses, and the economy as a whole. It's it's just traumatic. So now if we were to stop and think for a second, what if that was to extend for a year or two years or even further? How would we ever come back from that? How do we rebound from that? And that's ultimately what can happen to some folks if they end up getting sick or hurt and are no longer able to do their job or pursue their career. So we're going to talk about some statistics today just to shed some light on what's true, what's not true. And we're going to go through everything that you really need to know from a 10,000 foot view about disability insurance. All right. Truly the, the good, the bad and the ugly. All right. So without further ado, when we get into financial planning, we talk about risk mitigation. I often address three risks that are inherent in every individual's plan. There is no avoiding this. Number one is that we live too long. Number two is that we die too soon. And number three is we become disabled. All right. If you look at everyone, doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, shape, form, you know, rich, poor, indifferent, everybody is going to have those issues. If I were to live a super, super, super long life, you know, do I have enough assets and income 
to provide for myself or my loved ones. God forbid, you know, I die prematurely, kind of that, that oxymoron as if there's ever a good time. Um, but if I was to die early in my working years, how can I replace all my contributions to my business or to my family? And then the third one, of course, being disability. Like I just mentioned, if we were to lose that income and still be here, how do we even take care of ourselves at that point? So because it is the month of May, it is Disability Insurance Awareness Month, let's address that third topic. And we can certainly talk on the other ones, uh, which we have addressed in prior episodes, but we'll save more details for another point in time. So where this month came about, there's a nonprofit organization called Life Happens. And what they did is got together, they're a nonprofit that, that their goal is ultimately financial literacy for the masses. Right? They have some great information if you ever Google Life Happens. But one of the reasons why they identified May and created this as Disability Insurance Awareness Month is they said, let's look at the entire insurance industry and what is maybe one of the most important aspects or products, but the least understood that people really, really need to know about. And of course, that was disability insurance. All right. So why are people not aware of that? Well, if we look at some of these statistics that I was going to reference, Life Happens did a very big study throughout the whole country asking people, if you did become disabled, what would be your first way to kind of take care of your expenses, take care of your household? And over 50% of respondents said that they would tap their savings, okay, that they would have an emergency fund, a rainy day fund that they would then use uh, to offset those new costs that they have. But then if we just kind of pivot and we look at, you know, the U.S. Census recently, it showed that over 60% of U.S. households had less than $6,300 of liquid money. All right, again, I'll say that one more time. Over 60% of U.S. households had less than $6,300 liquid or available for any random expense that might arise. So if we have half the country, more than half the country, saying we'll use our savings if we get disabled, but then we see, according to the stats, that over 60% of American households only have $6,300 ready to go, that would essentially purchase three months of income at the poverty level. After that, that savings would be completely depleted. So if we look at that method of what a lot of folks call self-insuring, it can be difficult. You know, if we're on the side where we don't have that much money available, then it's all the more important because, like I mentioned, we'd only have about three months of expenses covered at a level of poverty. If we have more assets available, we could look at, you know, years or decades of hard work be evaporated within a short period of time to try and maintain that lifestyle. So that's a little bit of what self-insurance does. It may be a valid strategy as we get into extremely high net worth scenarios or very close to our retirement years in which we have a clearer picture of kind of being quote unquote all set. But when we're not in that scenario, there is going to be a huge need to at least address what is the risk of disability to my financial plan. And according, you know, just to elaborate on that, according to the American Journal of Public Health, 44% of all bankruptcies stem directly from disability. So that just kind of underscores some of the statistics I read and that it really can be like the perfect storm of, you know, added healthcare costs, a loss of income, and now how do we kind of maintain lifestyle? And sadly, bankruptcy, as we can see here, often becomes the uh, result of that. So we have to acknowledge all these things, and I think a lot of people do, 
But then there's also a subset of the population that hears those statistics, they recognize them, they get a little bit worried about them, but then they kind of bury their head in the sands and we all fall into that trap of, you know, ignorance being bliss in a way. And we say, okay, well, that sounds terrible, but I'm a healthy person or I'm a young professional. It can't possibly happen to me. And I couldn't even imagine, you know, myself in that scenario. So if it's something that we deny its possibility, why even plan for it then? But according to the Social Security Administration, one in four professionals in their 20s will suffer a disability that will knock them out of their career for over one year. All right. Again, the Social Security Administration admits that about 26% of professionals in their 20s will suffer a long-term disability within their working years. Okay. So we don't want to think about it. It can't happen to me. It can't happen to you. But if you put four of us together in a room, uh, it's supposed to happen to one of us. So we need to prepare for that, God forbid. All right. And now one of the things that I see with a lot of folks that say, you know, I recognize the severity of it. I recognize the probability of it. I'm not going to be ignorant, not to choose kind of a naughty word, but I am going to be a realist. And then they say, okay, well, what are the solutions here? And this is where the true misinformation arises. So I think the first thing that people look at and say, well, am I covered, is going to be their employer, in which they say, you know, I'm covered, I work at a, a company, and I'm sure they offer that. All right, that's something that I hear quite a bit from my uh, clients. Some things that we want to be aware of. First off, many companies today, as we're trying to cut costs, actually don't offer group long-term disability. All right, some large employers do, which I'll get into, but a lot of your smaller companies and mid-sized companies don't have a long-term disability plan. What they may offer, many do, almost most, is going to be short-term disability. And short-term disability is meant to address when you're out of work for about three to six months. Okay, the most common cause of that would actually be pregnancy. So that's short-term disability, but it does not go beyond six months. And typically it's a small fraction of that individual's income. But when we go beyond that, and we talk about, well, what if we're out longer than six months for years or for the remainder of our career? That's where long-term disability kicks in, okay? And if you are fortunate enough to have a plan through your employer, which is fantastic, there are some things that you should be aware of. First of which is a term called portability, which means if I'm covered at my current workplace, but in a couple of years I decide to change jobs, do I get to take that coverage with me? And the answer most times is going to be no, all right? The coverage is not portable. The second thing that you wanna recognize is the definition of disability. Oftentimes in a group plan, it's a very restrictive definition that says if you can do any other job out there, or maybe after a two year period, if you're able to do any job out there, we're going to stop paying your claim, okay? That's pretty common language that you wanna look into. All right, so you just want to be careful because you might think that you're covered, but then things hit the fan and you find out, well, you're not really covered. All right, so those are two things that you want to look at first. The third is usually it's going to cover about 50 to 70% of your income up to a certain limit. All right, it often has like a monthly cap. So you want to see what that is because maybe 50 to 70% for Mr. Smith's income, but as you're making more money or receiving large bonuses or what have you, it might actually only shake out to about 20% of your income. So you want to understand the metrics that they're using there. 
right? Another thing to recognize too is if it is paid for by your employer, if you go on claim, that's still going to be taxed as ordinary income, right? So now we're getting a much smaller paycheck and it's still getting taxed. So that sometimes comes as a rude wake up call for a lot of folks out there. And then perhaps the, the last notable thing that we would want to touch on here is if you receive any other benefits, perhaps through a government program, it can sometimes offset or even void your group disability benefit. All right, so again, if you have it, that's great. Uh, if you're paying for it, you know, post-tax, you could create a tax-free benefit there, and usually it's relatively cheap uh, compared to the benefit amount, but you just wanna be aware of all these drawbacks too so that you don't, uh, like I said, get a rude wake-up call someday. And then for folks out there that say, you know, I don't get it through my employer, or I'm not even really sure how that works, but we're in America, you know, I pay taxes, America will take care of me. It's true, America has some great programs looking out for all of us citizens, but in respect to disability, that can again be a bit of a gray area or a question mark. And when people lean on the government, they're talking about the Social Security Disability Insurance Fund, all right? Just to give you an idea here, in going into 2019, the Social Security Administration uh, cited that they had a backlog of over 575,000 disability claims. All right, that's over half a million claims that they hadn't even been able to address yet that have been sitting there potentially for disabled workers uh, that hadn't even had their case heard yet. In addition to that, only 33% of applications actually get approved. All right, the other 67% feel that they may be disabled, submit an application, and unfortunately they get nothing in return. And of those 33% who do get approved, they receive an average disability claim of $1,258 a month, okay? So I don't know where you're living or what you're doing, uh, but think about just over $1,200 a month, how far that would be able to get you if you're lucky enough to qualify uh, for a social security disability benefit. So keep those things in mind uh, that obviously that might not be the primary resource uh, if you really need someone to bail you out. And another thing, again, I hear a lot of misinformation on is, well, I have health insurance, okay? I get this a lot from young professionals that I deal with where they say, I'm paying these huge premiums every month that I'm splitting with my company. You know, I thought health insurance would protect, protect me if I'm unhealthy. Health insurance, guys, is making sure that your doctors and your hospitals get paid, but not you, not that you get paid. Okay, that's what disability insurance is. So you always wanna be able to differentiate the two because they are totally different. So when you start to talk about, well, what is the best option? And you know, let's say that, that premium isn't as big of an issue. Now we're gonna be looking into individual disability insurance. Okay, and why I say that premium is not such an issue is because this is gonna be a little bit more expensive than what you could possibly get through your employer. But like I often say, cost is only an objection in the absence of value. I would rather pay a little bit more for something that I know I'm fully protected than pay for a little bit less uh, for the car that might have brakes that work sometimes but not other times. All right. So we always got to keep that in mind. So when we go into individual disability insurance, this is where we can really pick from the cream of the crop. And some of the things that you really want to get educated on, first and foremost, I would say would be the definition. Okay, so the definition of disability can range from what they call any occupation, which simply states if you could do any job out there, we are not going to pay your claim. 
all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which is what's called true own occupation. And that says if you can't do the exact duties and responsibilities of your job, the carrier has to pay your claim, even if you could be gainfully employed elsewhere. And then there's a lot of variation in the middle ground there of what they often call modified own occupation. That's pretty much kind of like a hybrid between the two. And that can get a little scary because that's obviously gray area. So you want to understand that. All right, so that's the first thing is how do I actually qualify for disability if I should get sick or hurt? The next thing that you want to look at is portability. Okay, so now individual plans can be fully portable, meaning no matter where you travel throughout the states, as your occupation changes or you switch employers, you own that policy. You get to keep that policy and take it with you throughout your career. All right, a couple other things that you want to look at is going to be the actual payments. What is my benefit amount? Okay, how much am I going to receive if I go out on claim? When am I going to get paid? There's something called a waiting period or elimination period, which is a period of time in which you're not getting paid. It's almost like a deductible for your disability insurance. All right, that can vary from 30 days out to an entire year. All right, the most common that you'll probably find is a 90-day elimination period. The next thing is, how long am I going to get paid? So now we're talking again about long-term disability insurance. That typically can vary from maybe a two-year benefit period, all right? According to the Social Security Administration and the census, uh, average long-term disability lasts about two and a half years, all right? So you could pick a policy with a two-year benefit period, or you could go all the way out to retirement, um, or age 65, or sometimes even further than that. All right, so those are some of the choices you have to pick from. And then there's often a lot of different riders that the carriers could offer that will keep up with inflation, um, allow you to increase your benefit as your income rises, maybe even cover certain debts such as your student loans. Um, so there's a lot of things out there as well that you can kind of fold into your plan. But what I often tell people is of those three things there, contract language, the premium or cost, and then the benefit amounts, how long, how soon, and how much, you get to pick two of those three items. All right, so if you tell me I wanna get the best contract language and the maximum benefit that I can have, well then your premium's gonna look a little bit higher, all right, for all that you're getting there. If you say, well, I definitely want the best language, I don't want any of that gray area, but I don't wanna spend a ton of money, then we're going to have to lower the benefit amount or the benefit period. Okay, so it's kind of like we get to toggle between those three areas to design a plan that's going to fit your needs. All right, so that's a little bit about uh, individual disability insurance and some key items to keep in mind. But again, I think that this is a point that needs to be underscored. It needs to be talked about. According to the American Council of Life Insurers, over 51 million Americans have no disability insurance. So think about that gap, guys. Think about those folks and that, again, like the stats said, one in four of them could become disabled. That's, that's a huge catastrophic uh, event that could take place in their lives. And like I said at the outset, financial planning is not a science, okay? In financial planning, I often say that there's little mistakes and there's big mistakes, all right? If you were to pay a fraction, maybe two, 3% of your income for total disability protection, and you live and work your whole career and retire at 65, nice and healthy, then that little premium you paid, that was a little mistake, right? In the scheme of things. But if you said, let me forego disability insurance, I wanna save that 2% or so of my income. 
And then years down the line with a lot of pressure on you from family, mortgage, business, all these other things you've got going on, and God forbid you get sick or hurt and cannot go to work and you don't have a safety net, now it's a catastrophic mistake. And that's ultimately what financial planning can become is an exercise in trading small mistakes and big mistakes, again, with the goal of increasing our probability of success. Okay, so think about those things. I mean, COVID right now has given us such a great snapshot of the effects of missed work. You know, think about if you were to retire today, could you survive? Would you be able to make it? How would your household, you know, move forward and progress? And if you're saying there's no way, I mean, I've got a lot of work to get done, then think about it. That's ultimately what disability is, is a forced early retirement. And how would you handle that situation? So I know it's not always the most fun topic to talk about, but it is one that does deserve its own month and it does deserve some attention. Often like people that want to jump out of airplanes will say, you know, you need to have a parachute before you need it. All right. Disability insurance is the same way. You have to have your disability insurance before you need it. If you don't, unfortunately, it's too late. And now you're just going to become another one of these statistics. So please keep those items in mind right now. A couple time sensitive things, what's going on right now with the pandemic and the social distancing, many of the carriers out there are actually not requiring physicals or labs to apply for a certain amount of disability insurance. So there's a, definitely a unique time here, but a bit of a silver lining uh, for some folks out there that are trying to learn about individual disability or find out what their options are, okay? Now, if you have any questions or you want to learn more, uh, or if you, I should say, if you want to hear about different topics on the show, again, please email us at thecadernapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any guests that you want to see here on the show, again, we feature one a month. Send over some ideas. I've already had a lot of folks contact me that way to get on the show. So uh, we're an open platform. You know, the more the merrier. We want to get more information out there in a concise and practical manner. All right, guys, I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, please leave us that five-star review, give us some commentary, and tell a friend about the show. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Kaderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Pass, 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, products, services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Nine Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those 
of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.